process behind this series is taking everything that we've talked about for the past four months, the gospel, how the gospel changes us and renews us and what Jesus did for us and how that practically plays out in our life. Sometimes we get really good about understanding big concepts, but whenever you try to distill it down to how does it really play out, like put it in layman's terms, sometimes there's a disconnect there. And, uh, and so at times people will say, I don't really need to know all the complicated stuff, just get me to the easy stuff. But actually, the complicated stuff, if we talk about it, we can begin to show how it's, it's actually, man, that is the source of everything. It's the way that we operate in life is from that. So it's not too complicated for us to understand. The gospel, what Jesus did in his death, his burial, his resurrection, um, is not too complicated for us to understand. Actually, it's necessary for us to understand it. And it is uh, what we put our faith in. And so we're really talking about how Jesus is he's not just a supplement to how we live. He's not just like a vitamin that we take to kind of attach to what we're already living and, and how we're already living. He literally transforms and creates a new way to think and act and live and how we approach life in every area. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Today, we're going to be talking about worship. And when I say worship, many of you, um, that only means what we just we're doing about you know three minutes ago where we were singing songs and although that is a portion of worship it is one of the ways that you worship um, worship actually goes a lot deeper than that and so we're gonna we're gonna get into corporate worship what what we do as we sing together and we glorify God and and lift up songs uh, but we're gonna start with the why you know so a lot of times we get caught up in the methodology of things and we forget the why the source of the reasoning of why we're doing it and so we're gonna we're gonna go there but but when we talk about corporate worship, it is, uh, it's the way that we worship where we use music as a vehicle to accomplish that worship, okay? How we, we, we sing songs and we, we ascribe worth to God. So, uh, so music is such a powerful tool that we have. God created it and it's so powerful. I mean, think about how music has shaped societies, how art shapes societies, um, the lyrics in music, just the lyrics by themselves, po poems, right? I mean, they're, they're so powerful in what they communicate. But also when you attach music to it, how emotional is music? It just, it just, it pricks something deep in all of us. It doesn't matter what your faith is in, you know, what kind of belief system you have. Music just shoots through, through all of that. And, uh, you know, music, when you think about uh, uh, the power that it has, one of the things I always think about is movies. How if you were to take music out of a movie, how it would just lose all of its emotion. You know what I'm saying? Some people are really good at movies and they have no music and it actually intensifies the emotion. It intensifies the, the feel. But most of the time, music accompanies music and it actually enhances those moments. And you know, you're like watching a freaky movie and all of a sudden the music starts da -da 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 -da. and all of a sudden adrenaline starts pumping. You know, you, you raise the blanket up just where you can barely see, you know. Um, honestly, uh, I'll confess, what I actually do is I just plug my ears. <laughs> at times, I mean, at times, you know, because uh, it just removes all the fear because I'm just looking at it, but I can't hear it. But music is incredible. And so with, music, with movies, it, it accompanies it in a great way. And, and so I brought an illustration today to all of you to illustrate how this, this plays out. How many Star Wars fans we got in the place today? A good amount. How many of you have never seen a Star Wars movie in your life? I'm telling you, it's really... So the rest of you, you have seen Star Wars and you're not a fan. That's what some of you were like, neither of those apply. Um, and I sort of understand that, but, but there's some scenes in Star Wars that if you take the music out of it, it is the most awkward thing you've ever seen in your life. And so, so I brought an illustration to you today to show what some, a scene would look like in the epic Star Wars you know, movie series. And uh, so anyway, Bruce, why don't you go ahead and, and, and show that.
know, there's, there's times that you think something's a really good idea, it's gonna, it's gonna help. And then you, you're like halfway through it and you're like, I don't know if that was <clears throat> worth it. But anyway, you get, you get the point, right? Like it feels so epic and, and actually that seems a little bit longer. And if you go watch it on mute, it's just, I mean, it's creepy. I mean, when a guy just winks at somebody and there's like nothing going on, it's just, you know, he's creeper status and then you add music and it's like, it, it's cool. But anyway, so, so music is like that and it's a vehicle. And again, it shapes societies. It shapes our mind. It shapes the way that we think about things. Uh, I love this quote from Beethoven. He said, it is the power of music to carry one directly into the mental state of the composer. Like, that's why what we listen to matters. Because when you listen to certain music or any music, you are actually imbibing the spirit, the, the understanding, the worldview of the person that wrote it. You ever listen to somebody and you're like, man, I listen to it, man, it's just, I don't know, man, it's just, you know, I feel so heavy. You know, it's like they just, whatever. Why? Because what they have in them is being communicated through their music, through their art. Somebody draws a picture, right? And you're looking at it and, and it's just weird and abstract and, and you're like, I don't see anything. But really they were drawing that from a, a really deep core part of themselves. And it's really a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. However, at the same time, you also have to be careful of what you expose yourself to, right? I mean, lyrics nowadays in the top 40 is absolutely, uh, it's a joke sometimes. I'm like, how, did, how is that music? But anyway, um, but you notice a lot of times, a lot of music nowadays has the E next to it for explicit. And did you know that music that has explicit lyrics in it or even just has the logo on it actually is more, uh, it's easier to market and it's easier to sell and more people stream it and buy it just simply because it's got like that edge to it, you know? Like it just, you know, people like that. And, um, but the music that we listen to and the music that, it's almost anthems of nations. It shapes the trajectory of uh, the, the worldview and the approach to the nations, really the, the way that the nation grows and their thinking pattern with certain things. So, so again, most of the time, whenever we talk about different topics, we talk about the methodology of it. And again, we don't really always start with the source, the why. And the thing about that is, is if you don't start with the why, then you eventually get to the how and the what, and it loses its purpose. It has no meaning. Or it's got to distort it or pervert it meaning. And so today I want to start with what is worship in the first place. And, and again, when we talk about music and worship, actually there's not words in the Bible to des that describes worship and music together. It's more praise. But when it talks about worship, it's really talking about ascribing worth to something or a value to something. And the thing about worship is that we were created to worship. Like everything that we do, we are in a worshiping state. We are always outputting worth and placing worth on someone or something. We were created for it. And we were created in a perfect way to do that in a perfect way. But there is always an object of our worship. There's always an object, for, just like faith. You know, some people say, I'm not a person of faith. I don't have faith in anything. And that's a misconception of what faith is because faith is just a system of belief, a trust in a belief system. And so all of us have a faith system, right? We are placing our faith in something. There is an object to our faith. It's just whether we know it or not. But when it comes to worship, it's the same thing. We, we have an object of our worship at all times. And when it comes to worship, we're either worshiping the creator or the creation. It's really the only two options. We're either placing worth on uh, God who created all things or we're placing worth on and value on the things that he created. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, but the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praise their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes 
the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Anything that you enjoy, you will praise. How, what does it look like? What you just talk about. Like, dude, did you see the, the other day, bro? Did you see the game and this and that? Or, or, hey, man, did you see that movie? Or did you see, or you're talking about someone. You're talking about a situation. You're literally, you're praising those things that you enjoy. You're, you're, you're talking about how much worth you're placing on that. And that's what we do all the time. And a lot of times we reserve words like praise and worship for religious activities, you know, church or whatever. But actually, we're always outputting praise and worship on something. The reality is, is that God has always wanted our worship, our love, our affection. And he created us to, to pour that out and to commune with him and to place our love and affection on him. He created us to be in right relationship with him. And that's really what we see with Adam and Eve is that they were in this perfect state of uh, a relationship with God. And of course, we know that a problem happened, right? Something took place. That original design of, of a good relationship where worth, proper worth was being placed on God was broken. And, and really as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve, intimacy and closeness was completely destroyed. And so now we're in a place where we can't talk, commune, enjoy, or directly worship God in the same way that it was in the garden. And I mean, y'all know why. It's because of sin. Sin destroyed our ability to properly worship God. Sin severed man's ability to be in right relationship with God and properly worship him. Why? Because sin at its core, it is a worship problem. Sin is a worship of self over God. Actually, if you, if you take any sin and you really whittle it down and sort of define it at, at its the core thread of what it is, it's actually rooted in selfishness. Why do you get angry? You can probably find how it's about you, right? And that's why you got angry, the, a, a lust, a lie, or whatever. Whatever the sin, you know, uh, a fruit of sin would be, it's probably rooted in some sort of selfish, selfishness. And that's the result of sin. Sin is worship of self above God. And it is when you love something more than God, when you desire something more than God and you depend on something more than God. And that's really what we see with Adam and Eve. They worshiped, they placed more value on and they ascribe more worth to their own curiosity towards what the, the serpent has said to them. They put more value on that than what God had commanded them to do. So in that moment, they worshiped their own desire, their own curiosity, their own wanting to be like God more than they did the loving command of God not to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. They wanted to fulfill their own desires more than God's. And, and that's just, I mean, if you really think about our lives, a lot of the pain that we see happen, it, it usually roots itself in someone fulfilling their own desire. And left to ourself, our worship can only turn inward. It's one thing that we're really good at doing is lifting ourselves up above everybody and everything else. We're made for it, right? Like, like sin has, has like perverted our purpose in life to, that's our design is to, to try to feel worth and try to feel value and place more value on ourselves. And so with this series, The Jesus Effect and talking about worship, Jesus has given us a new way to live, a new way to approach worship and he fixed this. And how did he fix this? How did he fix this situation? Well, Jesus did what we could not do to fix what we could not fix. He fixed it. In the same way that Adam and Eve were tempted in certain things, Jesus came and was tempted in the same way that we are tempted even today. And he did it the right way. In Matthew 4, 8 through 10, Jesus, he's just gotten baptized. He's, uh, he's about to start his ministry and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and he's tempted by Satan. And this is a part of the story. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. This is what he said. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Just right here on a silver platter. Like, I'm gonna give you all the kingdoms of this world, which of course we know that Jesus came not to be king of a kingdom in this world, but actually kingdom of heaven, right? So the devil gives him a counterfeit. 
something in that moment that he could have right then, a selfish fulfillment. How did Jesus respond? He said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, he uses the word of God. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what the, the scriptures said at that time. Still says at this time, but, but at that time, that's, that's what Jesus referred to was a command that God had given. I said, put no other gods before me. And so Jesus overcame what Adam and Eve did not. Where they fell, he stood strong. It's one of the reasons that, that Jesus is called the second Adam, where whenever mankind fell into sin, Jesus did what we could not do and restored us back to this place where we could have a pathway back to God. And so he stood strong where man fell. And that's why Hebrews four is such a wonderful chapter. And it says this in verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus came and did what we could not do to stand in our place, to take the penalty that we, we couldn't even really pay at all. He took all of that on himself and now we, as we receive him, we stand in Jesus and he represents us to the father. He is our great high priest. We don't need a priest anymore. We don't need a mediator in regards to a man to stand between us and God. We have Jesus, the perfect and great high priest. And so what he's saying here is you don't need another way. He is the way. He is the way. He defines the proper way to worship, the proper way to live. That's why we don't need a priest anymore. We don't need to go and confess our sin to someone and then that person goes to God or they mediate that. Jesus came and changed that. That is an antiquated old way of operating. We have a great high priest, Jesus. So we pray in Jesus' name. We worship in Jesus' name, in his authority, in him, not in ourselves. Jesus came and he turned things right side up. Everything that sin destroyed, Jesus restored. Every pathway that was broken, Jesus restored. And he restored our pathway to true and pure worship. True and pure worship. True worship can only flow from a person who worships in spirit and in truth. And the Bible talks about that. It says, you know, that, that we will worship in spirit and in truth. But the thing about it is, is that in order to worship in truth, we must know and believe the truth of the gospel. See, our worship of God, our, the, the life that we live to glorify him is grounded and rooted in the gospel. If our worship becomes destabilized from that it inevitably will turn around and it will become about us. The Christian walk, if it's not anchored in Jesus and what he has done, then it will begin to drift into some sort of self-centeredness, into some sort of works-based type of mindset, some sort of self-righteousness, spiritual pride, an inability to keep up with righteousness because there's a, a, a perverted view of what it is in the first place. We can't even worship and praise properly if we don't actually understand and believe in the gospel because we must never forget the condition of sin that we were born into and the incredible grace of God that has saved us from it. This is the source, the, the root of the Christian walk. It's rooted and grounded in faith in what Jesus has done. And so from this mindset of Jesus restoring things to the right pattern, how do we now express worship? How do we really place worth on God? Well, first off, there's two different types, types of worship and one that we spend a lot of time talking about and it's lifestyle worship. And that's where obedience comes into play and, and obeying the loving commands of God, right? And we spent a lot of times talking about that, but today I wanna, I wanna lean into corporate worship whenever we come together like this and we lift up songs and we sing and we, we, we use music as the vehicle to praise God. And I wanna explain some things about it because um, man, we do it a lot, right? We come together a lot. And I think at times 
it converts into some sort of entertainment and some sort of, I'm going to sit and watch someone else do this thing. And um, that's where things get really weird. It's messed up. And so I kind of want to bring things back to center today. Don Whitney said this. He said, there's an element of worship and Christianity that cannot be experienced in private worship or by watching worship. There are some graces and blessings that God gives only in the meeting together with other believers. And I really believe it. There's something special whenever people come together and they lift up songs. I mean, if we kind of get outside of the church quickly and we begin to look at just any time that a large group of people get together centered around one thought. It's incredible. I love going to football games. I got to go to, I think it was three Saints games last year. And I love it because everybody's there and they're all on the same page. And the people who are not, who have different colors you know, on, they just get ripped, right? <laughs> it's the one place where you don't have to be Christ-like, okay? It's just like, <laughs> And um, I was at the game whenever the flag did not get thrown. Yeah. I mean, I, I consider myself to be, you know, decently Christ-like. And uh, I felt feelings that <laughs> were not like Jesus. And um, that crowd was like, you know. Anyway, but those environments are exciting. Why? Because everybody's united together and they're just, they're all there with the same thing. And, and guys, it's no different when the body of Christ comes together and we are all in communion with each other and with Jesus. There's just this thing that happens. The presence of God is in those places, in those times. And it's not a certain room that does that. That's why I love small groups. Because people, I mean, this is a sanctuary. It's the sanctuary, you know? <laughs> Why would you say that in the sanctuary? It's sheetrock and it's ceiling tiles. I mean, this is a room just like your house. It's the same stuff. You know what makes it sacred? It's us coming together. The body of Christ coming together, lifting up the name of Jesus together. That's what makes it what it is, right? So whenever we, yeah. And Paul instructs us when we come together to sing and to worship God. He says this in Colossians 3. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And I think it's important that he starts with that because from that word of Christ dwelling in us richly and teaching one another and admonishing one another in all wisdom from that place of understanding Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, if you don't have the wisdom and the understanding of what God has done, then the singing of the psalms and the hymns and all the spiritual stuff, it won't be rooted in anything that you're really understanding. And so therefore, it eventually will lose its power and its purpose whenever the emotions fade. But when people come to an environment like this and there's lights and all this kind of stuff, at first it's like, whoa. And then after a few months, it's like, I think I'll show up about 10 minutes late because I kind of know what's coming, you know, or I'm gonna go get my refill real quick and then I'll come back, right? Because we start losing what it's about. See, whenever we worship together, it's not just like an intro to the service. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Hey, what time does church start? Well, it starts at nine, but um, man, they do this music thing for a long time and uh, eh, songs are okay, you know? I don't really care for them. So, so if you get there about 9.20, right? If you get there about, about, I don't know, like 10, what time does the service start? 10.30? 10.50, there we go. Then you'll miss all of that and, and then you can just get to the, you know, the message. What is that? That is a misunderstanding of what it is that we are doing whenever we worship. It's a misunderstanding. And at the root of it, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a root of consumerism and selfishness built into that and just missing the point altogether. Other scriptures, 1 Chronicles 16, 23, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Whenever we sing and we worship, we're lifting up the name of Jesus. We're lifting up what he has done 
And we're lifting up the, the gospel. We're lifting up the truth. That's what we do. And we should do that day after day, day after day. I need to be reminded daily of what Jesus has done for me, daily. It's not a Sunday thing. If it's a Sunday thing, it's gonna be kind of weak. I don't know about you, but I'm not really good at remembering things. Like if you tell me something today, I will forget it in an hour, all right? I need to be reminded of things. I don't know if you're like me, I need to do something multiple times before it actually gets ingrained in my head to where I can do it and it's, it's like, you know, habitual. Like I just, I'm not, we're all like that. We drift and our understanding drifts. We gotta sing about the, the salvation of God. Psalm 95.1, come let us sing for the Lord, for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us shout aloud. And this is where we start talking about expressions. What does it look like to praise God? Whenever we come together, what is our culture here at Northwood? What's our belief system? Well, kind of want to preface what we're about to go with some instruction because many of you come from many different backgrounds, a lot of different churches, a lot of different ways of doing worship, right? Doing praise and doing worship. And um, some of you might, might come from a background where uh, if you do anything other than just stand still and sing, you are breaking the rules, right? Like you've, I've heard, I've heard stories. Um, I've, I've always been in a church that was pretty free in worship. And so um, I was never in these environments, but I've heard stories of like somebody who's standing there and they, they may raise a hand while they're singing. And then somebody comes over and corrects them and says, please put your hand down. We don't want to distract from what we're singing. And that always like messes with me because one reason is this, is because most of the time, the people who are in those environments or maybe have that kind of understanding, like if you were there three days before with them, like at the local concert, <laughs> they had no problem going nuts, right? I mean, come on, like, think about a concert. The lights go out, blackout, and everybody goes, like immediately they go nuts. Like hands go up, you know, it's pitch black. They don't even know, like a completely different band could come out and it doesn't matter. It's the warm-up band, you know? And then, but we do that. We have no problem praising and, and, and expressing the enjoyment that we are experiencing about something like that temporary. But when it comes to the eternal, it's like all of a sudden there's a blockade and we can't do that. It's not even biblical, so some of you may be coming from that background and you, like, you'd like to maybe, you know, what is it, the, you know, the, you know whatever Tim Hawkins does. And uh, you, I mean, you, there's something in you, like you, you'd like to sing loud, but there's something that always, it limits you and it keeps you confined. And I'm telling you, man, look, the Bible talks about us worshiping and praising and expressing that freely. Yeah. So what does that look like? Well, here, here's some of the ways that the Bible talks about expressing our praise. Number one, and guys, look, I'm just gonna go and say it. I'm gonna like slaughter how you're supposed to say these words just because I'm terrible at these words. And so, but what they mean is, is really what we need to know. But these are words that if you read in the Bible, it may say praise, but there's different words that mean praise. And it's, it it's really gives us a visual of what... Uh, how we should worship. The first one is Barak, to kneel or bow. Reverence, halal, to celebrate, to boast, to be clamorously foolish. Have you ever been clamorously foolish when you worship God? Maybe some of you, I will, I will like say this, like there is a level that's okay with clamorously foolish and then there's a level that one of our lovely host members will come and ask you to Stop being so clamorously foolish. <laughs> Kicking your feet off, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. Knocking chairs over, elbowing people in the back of the head. Nuh-uh, you know? Next thing you know, we got like banners, just like, <laughs> I heard a story about somebody that they got super excited in church and um, they had a, had a banner. It must have been a giant one with a pole on it. And they ran like through the auditorium. They ran and they knocked like the sconces. They just, they knocked off every single one of the sconces, just poosh, broke them, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Calls to fire hazard. The Lord is good. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, we can worship God with excitement and, and not get, Weird, but uh, anyway, so, but guess what? 
We can celebrate, boast in God. Shabbat, the, the shout, to shout loudly. Uh, whenever we talk, you know, we say, come on, get, lift up a shout of praise. It's, it's not a transitional moment to just, ah, you know, like Chewbacca or something. Like that. Ah! <laughs> just randomly yelling for no reason. It's, that's not what that is. That is literally our expression of praise, worshiping God for what we have just declared, the truths that we have sang together, the lyrics that we have read and spoken. It's a response of, this is real to me, and this is a real thing. This isn't, I'm not putting this on for looks. I'm expressing my heart to God. The next one, tequila. Sounds like tequila. It's probably supposed to be like tequila or something. I don't know. Go Google it later, I guess. Butchering it. It's okay. Tequila. It means to sing praises. And it means spontaneous singing. And, and I want to take a moment and, exp- and explain this real quick. So there's, there's times that we are singing lyrics that are literally on the screen, that we're reading together. Some people have it in a hymnal and it's right there in front of them. It doesn't matter. It's, we're all singing the same words together in that moment. And it's a wonderful thing. But there are times where we can spontaneously sing just out of our own heart, expressing our own heart based upon, you know, what God's done in our life and just expressing that. And I'll put it to you like this. Um, you know, whenever you get a card from somebody and you, you read the front and it's, if they did a good job, it immediately, it starts evoking emotion and tears. Nadine's not here for this one, so I'll brag on myself. But, uh, but I bought her a Mother's Day card and she read the first line and I was like, yes. Uh, you know, of course she tends to cry at a lot of things very quickly, you know, but uh, a commercial comes on, the song hits, <laughs> you know? So um, it's good. I need, I need my wife to be like that because I tend to not cry at all. And uh, so it's good. But, but she read it and it was wonderful. But guess what happens? Whenever you get a card like that and you read the front, it's good. When you open it up, what do you expect to see? You want to see some handwritten stuff, man. Don't just sign your name on that. It's a level of disappointment whenever you open it up and it's just they signed it. Or worse, there's nothing there. Like, you didn't put any effort into expressing your heart to me. And, and now it's going to be awkward for the rest of Mother's Day because you didn't express your heart. Anyway. But y'all get what I'm saying. It's like we want to see what, what do you really think? What do you really feel? And in those moments where it's just lift up your own song. Come on. It's, it's just a time when the band's just playing. That's not a a break in the music just to take, take another sip of coffee, <laughs> okay? Those are moments for us individually to express our heart to God. And it's all done in order, but it is a wonderful moment. Spontaneous singing. So I wanna encourage you in that to, it's, it's pray. Some of you maybe can't sing and that's fine. Maybe it's just praying in those moments. Whatever it is, it's you expressing your heart to God. The next one is Tauda. Lifting hands. I'd encourage some of you today to lift your hands. Some of you have never lifted your hands in worship. And uh, man, today would be a great day to, to do that. Yada is to extend hands vigorously, which be careful with that, okay? <laughs> All right? Well, what does that look like, man? Just, you're just extending your hands. What it, why do we do that in many other situations in life? Touchdown. Yeah, right? Anything that we're excited about, it's built into us. My little girl right now, whenever she hears music, she's 16 months. She, like, I didn't teach her this. Nadine might have, I don't know. She's kids, you know, like the music starts and she's like bouncing and then she's like doing her hands and then we're like, yay. And she's just, you know, nonstop. And, uh, but it's built into us to express what we're feeling, the joy that we're feeling outwardly. Zamar is to, is making music with instruments, and we have a lot, of, a lot of band members. We have three locations, and, and we've got band members and vocalists. And, uh, and by the way, uh, they're not here for your entertainment, okay? They're here to, to help create an environment for you to worship God and to express praise to Him. And uh, side note, if you're in this place and, uh, and you have a musical talent, you can sing, you can play an instrument, 
Um, we'd love to have you join the team. We'd love to have you join up. Uh, contrary to popular belief, we do not have an endless supply of musicians who are just waiting in line to uh, help create environments to worship God. Um, and so I wanna make sure that all of you realize that. And if you've got, um, maybe you're still kind of learning, but, but man, you, you, you seriously, you're like, man, I, I think, it's time for me to step up. We have a, a training track. It's called Infuse, and it's for mus musicians and vocalists. And uh, I want to encourage you to sign up and uh, and, and get involved. And, and actually, after service, uh, we're going to have some people at the back room, uh, at the back of the room in the Next Steps area, to talk with you and help you kind of get signed up for that. Or maybe you got some questions about it. But I want to invite you strongly <laughs> to uh, to join up with Infuse, and it'd be a great thing. But but we have musicians that play music and, and this is one of the expressions of worship is to play music to the glory of God. And so there's different styles. Just to say something slight, it's just quickly about styles. There's a lot of different styles and people, some people it's, it's just vocals, acapella. Some people it's just a piano. Some people it's a piano and a guitar. And then it's all the way to a full, full band and, and everything. I think all of them are wonderful. I think all of the different expressions of worship to God are incredible. And uh, people get caught up in methodology and they begin to point fingers and say, you're doing it wrong, you're doing right. I do believe that there is a level that everyone needs to be uh, sensitive to, to not be distractive, right? Not to distract from Jesus, but to point to him. But there's different styles, there's different methods. And we, we, we celebrate that. So in closing, what praise and worship isn't? It isn't about you. Can we all say that? It, it isn't about you or me, however you want to say that. It isn't about you. It isn't about your favorite song. It isn't about, you know, these things. It's about Jesus. It's about glorifying God above all else. It's about experiencing the spirit of God. The fruit of the spirit is when the presence of God is in a place, in a moment, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience. All of that, the fruit of the Spirit is there, and it's to celebrate God, the Son, and to be reminded of the gospel and to declare his salvation day after day. I want to wrap up with this statement. Praise and worship is the only response to what God has done for us through Jesus. It's the only natural response. And so today, I believe some of you maybe are in a place where you've, you've heard a lot of information and it's not just head knowledge. There's something that God is speaking to you and stirring in your heart. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now to respond to that. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. I believe that God is drawing all men to himself. And I believe that God is drawing some of you in this room today to respond to him, to say yes to following Jesus. His grace is sufficient for you for every single one of you. And today is your day to make a decision to follow Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you do anything that makes you uncomfortable. However, it is so important that there is a response to the message of Jesus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray. And in this moment, if you know that you're far from God and today you wanna draw close to him, you want to follow him. You want him to change your life from the inside out. You want to trust in Jesus. I'm going to pray. And you don't have to say the exact words I say, but you pray to your God and you respond to his grace and his mercy for you. Say, God, here I am before you humbly and broken. God, right now, I surrender myself to you. God, all that I am, the successes and the failures, the good, the bad, the things that I want people to know about me and the things that I don't. And right now I take everything that I have and I place it at your feet. And I ask for you to clothe me, cover me in your righteousness. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and my shame and my fear to defeat sin and the grave. So today, God, I give you all that I am and I praise you I give you my life. God, help me to live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on.
don't you go ahead and stand to your feet. We're gonna worship God here in a moment, but I wanna read one more groups of, uh, group of scriptures out of 2 Chronicles. I think it's a, a wonderful picture of really what we wanna see happen here every time that we come together. And it, it's, it's whenever the, the Israelites are dedicating the temple, they built the temple, the house of God, and they're dedicating it and it's a big celebration. And it says this in chapter five, verse 11, the priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves. By the way, we are priests. Jesus has opened up the priesthood to all of us. It's priesthood of the believer. So this is us, this represents us. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves. They were set apart for the glory of God, regardless of their divisions, their backgrounds, what tribe they were from. All the Levites who were musicians stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by, to give uh, praise to the Lord and saying, he is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. It's really what we desire. It might not be a cloud, it might not be in that way, but to experience the presence of God, to lift up the name of Jesus. And in those moments, God does something special, y'all. He does something special. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing some songs. We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus. And I want you in, in the purest sense, worship God. Lift up his name, amen? Every breath. 
Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, we have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, uh, you can check out all of our past sermons, all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and uh, even give to support those efforts of reaching more people. 
Be sure to connect with us on social media and to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching and hope to see you soon.